Hey, it's Eric Erickson here, and I wanted to offer a defense of the President of the United States on impeachment. And I want to tell you, um, I, I don't necessarily buy everything I'm saying. Uh, I think there are real concerns, including why the President didn't raise Joe Biden with Ukraine until after uh, Joe Biden announced he was running for President. Uh, there, there are deep flaws in the defense, but the President's got to come up with a defense, and thus far, I don't think his team has built a unified defense uh, that kind of connects all the pieces together. And I want to try to do that. I did this on my radio show a little while ago. I didn't have any notes, did it off the top of my head, uh, put it all together. But a lot of people wanted to hear it as a standalone uh, from the podcast. And so I'm pulling this together here now, my defense of President Trump, a defense that the White House should latch on to immediately and move forward with. The president of the United States has a team of very smart people around him who have not articulated a strong defense of the president beyond character assassination of those who criticize him. And it's hard to do that to Bill Taylor. Bill Taylor's testimony is damaging, and for all of the puffery of Republicans on TV saying, we can't tell you what John Radcliffe did, but John Radcliffe undermined Bill Taylor, I can tell you exactly what John Radcliffe did because I was a lawyer who did these sorts of things. Uh, this is from Bill Taylor's testimony. On September 7th, I had a conversation with Tim Morrison in which he described a phone conversation earlier in the day between Ambassador Sunland and President Trump. Mr. Morrison said he had a sinking feeling after learning about this conversation from Ambassador Sunland. According to Mr. Morrison, President Trump told Ambassador Sunland that he was not asking for a quid pro quo, but President Trump did insist that President Zelensky go to a microphone and say he was opening investigations of Biden. And then uh, I had a call with Ambassador Sunland on September 8th, and he told me that the president said it was not a quid pro quo and that the president of uh, Ukraine needed to clear things up. But Sunland did not tell Taylor that the president wanted Zelensky in front of a microphone to talk about Biden. So all John Radcliffe had to do is say, you don't know that he mentioned Biden, do you? Well, Morrison told me, but you don't know that. Uh, Morrison told you, well, that's correct. And Morrison doesn't know it. Well, Sunland told him, but Morrison didn't hear the call, did he? No, he heard it from Sunland, correct? When Sunland talked to you about the call, Sunland didn't mention Joe Biden, did he? No, but Sunland did say there was no quid pro quo, correct? Yes. Boom. There you go. Problem is that this isn't a trial, so hearsay is acceptable to build the evidentiary base. So if you're going to respond to this, how do you need to respond? Well, there's a key bit, there's a key bit of data in the Bill Taylor statement. Let me read you this paragraph. This is the paragraph right before he talks about his conversation with Tim Morrison, who told him about the president's call with Sunland. Bill Taylor wrote, I had been making and continue to make the point to all of my Ukrainian official contacts that they should not participate in any way of getting drawn into U.S. domestic politics. But the push to make President Zelensky publicly commit to investigations of Burisma and alleged interference in the 2016 election showed how the official foreign policy of the United States was undercut by the irregular efforts led by Mr. Giuliani. It is on this paragraph that the president should make his defense. Let me now do that for you. I will make the president's defense. You can be convinced or unconvinced. I, I don't care, but I'm telling you, it, it's way better 
than any of the defenses offered thus far uh, by the president's team, including Dan Bongino on Sean Hannity, who said Taylor never saw the transcript, therefore we know more about it than him, or uh, Matt Whitaker, the former acting attorney general, who had the audacity to say abuse of power is not a high crime or misdemeanor and therefore isn't impeachable. That was his actual defense of the president today. Abuse of power is not a crime and therefore not impeachable. Did you know that three-quarters of all impeachments have been on abuse of power and not on statutory crimes. Did you know that? Whitaker apparently did not. So let me give you the defense of the president. I'm going to turn on my timer so I can time myself on this. Here we go. Defending the president of the United States. Don't say I didn't try. We know that prior to the election, the Democrats already suspected that the president of the United States was in the hands of the Russians, and everything they've done since then has been under that belief, despite we now know from the Mueller report that the president's team never did coordinate with the Russians. Even though the Russians wanted to interfere in the election, they never did it with the Trump campaign. They certainly manufactured evidence, which we know from the Steele dossier was manufactured, including the alleged P-tape, which we now know from the Mueller report actually did exist. Yes, the P-tape existed, but no, it was of the president. It was a fraudulent document, fraudulent video prepared to undermine the president, and it was circulated by Democrats and the media and inside uh, the national security and intelligence and law enforcement apparatus of the United States government. We now know from Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and James Comey and Andrew McCabe that people within the government viewed every single thing Donald Trump did through the frame of being bought and paid for by the Russians, and it undermined their own credibility and showed a partisan bias against the president there. Once the president president took office, we saw again, time and time again, the national security apparatus and the foreign policy apparatus and the intelligence apparatus of the United States try to undermine the president. For what? Because they all believe the worst about the president, in part because so many of them were committed to Hillary Clinton, and in part because both Republican and Democratic administrations along the way had committed to a foreign policy that tracked in one direction with minor variation, and President Trump wanted to do a 180 on American foreign policy. And the bureaucracy refused to let him do it. In effect, the bureaucracy tried to hijack the rudder of ship of state and force it to continue straight when the president on the steering wheel wanted to turn the ship around. And the bureaucracy said no, even though the president of the United States is the lawfully constitutionally elected officer, the chief executive officer of the United States, lawfully elected and sworn in under the Electoral College by the chief justice of the United States, the bureaucracy still told him no. Time and time again, every time the President of the United States tried to do something different from his predecessors, the bureaucracy tried to obstruct. They leaked the transcript with the call of the Mexican President. They leaked the transcript of the call with the Australian President. They leaked advance word the President wanted to move the embassy to Jerusalem and seeded the media field with claims the President would start a war in the Middle East by doing so. And did it happen? It did not. They did the same thing with the Paris Accord. Seeding the media, telling them the president was going to undermine everything and cost us uh, allies and and cause sanctions and cause uh, tariffs on the United States. And what happened? Nothing. In fact, the United States is better off economically now when President Trump came in and got us out of those agreements. And in fact, our emissions have gone down. But time and time again, every time he's tried to challenge the bureaucracy and the way things have been done in this country, the American bureaucracy, bureaucracy and the media and the Democrats and even some Republicans have undermined him.
So the president was elected by the people of the United States. He was sworn in by the chief justice of the United States. And the bureaucracy that is unelected hides behind a civil service law that prevents the president from firing them. So what can he do? He now knows from an op-ed in the New York Times that there are anonymous people in his administration trying to undermine him. The guy's writing a book, for God's sakes. We have no idea who it is. And that person's still in the White House and has the audacity to work within the White House to try to undermine the president and refuses to quit or expose himself, and yet admits in the New York Times and now in this book that time and time again, anonymous bureaucrats in the White House and the bureaucracy of the United States tried to stop the president from doing things the president had the power to do for the sole reason that they didn't like what he wanted to do. They didn't resign. They didn't raise a stink. They just tried to undermine him. So what did the president do? The president had to go out and find people who would defend him and chart a course for foreign policy that the president wanted. So he was required to rely on people like Rudy Giuliani to be his direct emissary to individuals in other countries to try to get things done the way he wanted to do. Not to help Russia, but to chart a new course for American foreign policy that the bureaucrats within the government were trying to stop him from doing because they did not like it themselves. And that's not their job. They are supposed to serve the chief executive officer of this country, who is Donald Trump. Now, to the extent that Rudy Giuliani made mistakes, well, they didn't know who they could trust because time and time again when they tried to trust people in government those people undermined them or people found out about it and they leaked things to embarrass the president. They did this ongoing campaign against the president. They've never gotten over 2016. So yeah, were there mistakes? Yeah, there were probably mistakes. Did Rudy Giuliani go too far on occasion? He might have gone too far on occasion but it wasn't out of an attempt to bribe. It wasn't out of an attempt to challenge Joe Biden moving forward for 2020. It was out of an attempt to understand that the bureaucrats and this government were undermining the president. The president does take corruption seriously, and the president has reason to believe that there was a corrupt process that went back to Ukraine that did involve Biden, Obama, and the rest of them. Look at the Steele dossier. And he wanted to find answers, and he couldn't trust the American bureaucracy to do it. So he had to trust these other people. To the extent that there are mistakes that the Congress and the people of the United States don't like, there's an election coming up in a year. Let's settle this then. Let's litigate it then. There's no reason to go through a divisive impeachment process right now when we have an election a year away. And all of this is about the bureaucracy of the government trying to stop the duly elected president of the United States from chartering a foreign policy course they don't like. That's why it's here. And if you want to hold the president accountable, do it at the ballot box in a year. There's your defense of President Trump. Eric Erickson. Well connected. Well respected. And your Atlanta Drive Time host, 4 till 6 every day, 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk.